Hey guys, welcome to In Vivo. It's Jasmine here, and I'm so glad that you decided to tune into another episode. How are y'all doing? How's everyone going? I hope you're having a great day, week, weekend, night, whenever you listen to this. And also, happy Black History Month. Uh, it's February, and this month is all about Black history. Remember that Black history is global history. And should really be celebrated 24-7, 365 days a year, okay? But what I love about this month so much is all that you learn about what we have contributed to society that isn't necessarily showcased. Um, with the use of social media, a lot of people have been using their personal brands, organizations, or just their interests to inform and educate people about Black history and the things that we just don't know we made or we created or we pioneered. And I've been also able to contribute to this movement, I guess you would call it, um, where essentially I've been able to share information and it be seen by a widespread audience. So just to make a long story less long, last summer I created or started an initiative called Buy Black, where essentially the goal or purpose was to showcase and inform people all of what Black people have done and contributed to society. So I created posts or infographics on Black innovators in every field you could think of. So music, fashion, STEM, so engineering, medicine, um, media, like uh, LGBT. I'm trying to think of all the things I've done, y'all. Um, just a really, really good collection of Black innovators and created these graphics and I posted them on social media. So I initially posted them on Instagram back in September and they did well. I wasn't really promoting it as much as I should, but I did post them and they did pretty okay. So I was like, okay, I've always looked them up on my personal Instagram and that was that. So I just was continuing along my life and I never looked back on that initiative. And then my sister, a couple days ago actually, um, sent me a message and was like, opinion, you should post it by a black initiative on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I, you know what? I should. I was like, I should post it on Twitter just because it is Black History Month and I hadn't. And I was honestly confused why I did because one, I don't really have that much of a following on Twitter, but I think I should have did it to begin with. But you know, God's timing is always perfect timing. So anyway, my sister gave me that, that sign. So I ended up posting them on Twitter and you guys, the support has been immense. I have received on my tweet, which was a thread, I received 132,000 likes, you all, and over 50K retweets. And then with the thread total, all the likes put together was over 200,000 likes and over 7 million impressions, you guys. When I tell you that is epic, amazing, like something that I could not have predicted, it blew up, literally the definition of viral. And I was so ecstatic. I received so much support. People were purchasing from my business. People were sending me money. Like <laughs> it was crazy. And I've had a lot of Instagrams or other people's Twitter organizations, Twitter share my things. Um, one being the recount and another one being Mike. And they shared my posts and it was just amazing. And I just, I could go on and on. But what I want to say is thank you. Um, whoever's listening that has seen my tweet, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you stay with the fam. Okay. And I'm just so excited. I think that was the 
the push I needed to just remember to make content and produce really, really good content because they can be taken in by the masses and be loved. So my heart's so warm. Okay, we're going to stop talking about me and go into the rest of the episode. So the first segment we're going to start off with is the word of the week. So today's word of the week this week is super stimulus and super stimulus is an exaggerated version of a stimulus to which there is an existing response tendency or any stimulus that elicits a response more strongly than the stimulus for which it evolved. And this can pertain to many things, including food, the internet, social media, drugs, etc. So essentially what it says is that these stimulus are common for us. So having your phone is very common. Eating food is very common. However, when there is a super stimulus, it evokes a response more strongly than the common one. So when you eat food, you get a response of satiety or fullness, right? But if you have a super stimulus of food, it causes you to binge eat, right? Where your phone, um, similar, you're answering a call or you're on your phone. That's regular or regular stimulus. But then when you're continuously scrolling on social media, um, constantly refreshing, that is a super stimulus and it causes you to become addicted to your phone. So these studies right now have been high, especially for phone and internet addiction because it's the new era and it's prevalent right now. And it's also a very key aspect in behavioral addiction, trying to understand behavioral addiction and the causation of it. So right now that's a big topic and I just wanted to provide you all with the definition. And now on to what's new for science. So for today's science news, I want to talk about things I have stumbled across during my month period from the last episode. Yeah, yeah, The things I've learned between last episode and this episode. So one of the things I've learned or I've stumbled across was plant consciousness, you guys. I was searching the internet to find something to talk about and I stumbled on this debate. Guys, it's literally being debated whether plant consciousness is a thing or not. So I decided to go scour more, find out more information on this. And it turns out that they've had this debate for a long time. A lot of ecologists and botanists have had this debate on plant consciousness for a while. (laughs) It is crazy. Actually, Last year, 2020, there was a paper published by, uh, I forget what the lab is located, but I don't think they're located in the United States. But anyway, there was a paper published that the title actually was Consciousness Facilitates Plant Behavior. Like in the whole paper is a study on how they were able to show that plant behavior was attributed to consciousness because you would need consciousness in order to fulfill these behaviors. So I was reading, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So then later in the week, I actually stumbled on the paper that was actually in refute of that paper. It's, it's a lot. But anyway, the paper I found that was published later was called Debunking the Myth, Plant Consciousness, right? And the paper, essentially the purpose of it was to show that plants have not been able to show or perform the proactive anticipatory behaviors associated with consciousness, meaning that it didn't think it didn't go through those things with anticipating something else associated with consciousness, but they only can show sense and follow stimulus trails reactively. It cannot be proactive 
with their behaviors is only reactive. They also were able to state two other reasons why plant consciousness is indeed not a thing. One of the other ones was that electrophysiological signaling plants serve immediate physiological functions rather than integrative information processing as in nervous systems of animals. And it gives no indication of plant consciousness, meaning that there is no time to process as our central nervous system and peripheral nervous system do, as well as in animals like us and other animals that aren't mammals, <laughs> uh, plants do not have dysfunction. So that's another reason why they believe that plant consciousness is not a thing. And the last thing they said was that the controversial claim of classical Pavlovian learning in plants, even if correct, is irrelevant because this type of learning does not require consciousness. And I believe the Pavlovian method, am I saying that right, guys? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Anyway, the Pavlovian learning or the Pavlonian response is a response that shows if you compare, actually not, I don't mean to say compare, I mean to say pair. It involves pairing a stimulus with a condition response. And it was that dog thing. So you condition the dog to, I think, hear a bell and then the dog ate and then they heard another bell. It Yeah, someone, I don't know. You guys, whoever's in psychology could explain it better than me. But essentially, they're saying that that type of learning does not require consciousness. And I just thought it was super interesting um, that this, number one, is even a debate to just say that plants have consciousness or not. I just find that so weird. Anyway, those were the things I stumbled across. One of the other things I stumbled across, which was no surprise to me, was a study that showed that 2020 was one of the warmest years on record. Now, with my own experience... I figured that 2020 was one of the warmest years on record because I'm pretty sure there was only one snow day in 2020. Um, Christmas was warm. My birthday, which is November 6th, was warm. So I think anybody with a brain knew, okay, this is a different winter. Now, in February right now, there has been snow, which I'm like, finally, you know, I've been playing Christmas music because I've been wanting the snow since Christmas. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I figured that it was one of the warmest years on record. Hopefully with the new administration, we can find ways and solutions to lessen the, the, uh, intenseness of climate change. I don't know how much we can do cause I feel the effects here in Maryland. So just imagine the effects at other extreme parts of the world, including like the glaciers and Antarctica or the more warmer places. Um, it's just crazy. So Hopefully we can provide more solution or we can talk about in the show more on climate change and what are ways that we can help fix it. So the last thing I want to talk about for science news is that I was able to read a paper and it was called Fun Black Scientists. And the paper was created or written by biomedical engineering women faculty that were black. And the purpose for the paper was to collectively argue that racial funding disparity by the NIH remains the most insidious barrier to success of black faculty in the research profession. And they want to also show and refocus the attention not only on the barrier, but also the solutions on how it can be dismantled. Now, I knew of this as well, that black scientists were not funded nowhere near as much as other scientists were. And also, HBCU funding for science is not as much as other big public universities. It's unfortunate because we are not able, without money, what can you do? You know, without money, 
how can you complete your projects and have enough to not only fund yourself, but fund the people in your lab, fund equipment and the other things necessary because things add up and are expensive. I remember um, I was in the lab at the University of Minnesota and we had a small vial, a super duper duper small vial of around 10 microliters of some solution. And it cost my lab thousands of dollars, you guys. So just imagine like you needed that one vial or you needed this one equipment piece and you could not attain it because you did not have the money. And we as black people seem to end up in that situation far more than other counterparts in science. So I'm glad the paper was written. There's been a lot of think pieces written that were published by big journals like Cell and Nature on black scientists and what we can do to contribute to the Black Lives Matter movement, to contribute to black and STEM, young people in STEM, and more. So I'm glad that the paper was written and I'm going to link it in the description below so you call can read it as well. That's all I have for science news. We're going to go ahead and move on to pop culture news. So for today's pop culture news, I'm going to delve into a lot of things. The first thing is that this Sunday just passed and that means the Super Bowl just passed and that means that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. (laughs) I honestly, first of all, forgot that the Super Bowl was even happening, number one. And number two, I didn't know who was playing, you guys. Uh, I just knew it was Tom Brady versus the Chiefs. I forgot that Tom Brady even switched teams. Found out later that he was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which means that Tom Brady carried. But we also know there's some iffiness with Tom Brady. But the part I liked the most was not even about the football. It was the halftime performance and the weekend performed. I love his album, the entire album I love, the cinematography of the videos and the character that he always presents when he goes out anywhere is amazing. Um, Some people referred it to Janet Jackson Day, (laughs) the Super Bowl, and also went back and looked at Beyonce's performance, which was legendary and basically was like, no one could top Beyonce's halftime performance ever. No one. So that was really nice to see. Also on Twitter and social media, I'm pretty sure we've all seen the Gorilla Glue Girl, which is so sad we're calling her that, but essentially that's the truth is what she is. Uh, So if you haven't heard, there was a woman and she ran out of got to be spray, which is like a hairspray that is, has a really, really tight hole. Like it's a really strong hole and she ran out. So instead of her using got to be or any other hairspray she used gorilla glue spray and her hair has been molded to her head for months now and she's trying to get it out herself and she couldn't and then she went to the hospital and the hospital really couldn't do nothing for her so then she was able to obtain some things go back to her home and now she's still struggling and now she's trying to get money to pay her hospital bill it's just a lot i hope that she has a good recovery. I hope she gets to keep her hair because it's looking like she may have to shave her head, honestly. And she was verified on Instagram and Twitter, which is just crazy. Um, There's a lot of think pieces going on right now with the lady. I didn't think much of it that way, but I just hope she's okay because imagine like Gorilla Glue in your hair, like that's not gonna come out at all. So I hope she's okay. And then also... 
I've been watching Drag Race. You guys know this. Season 13 of Drag Race has been my thing right now. I've also been watching the UK's Drag Race as well. My favorite is Taste. I love her. She just gives everything that she needs to. But my favorites for the US Drag Race is Simone, period. Point blank, Simone. She is it. She understands. She just gets it. She gets it. This week's or last week's episode, the runway was Little Black Dress. And you guys, first of all, she had a hair piece that was immaculate. It was ref- reference to RuPaul's hair piece. And then her dress was not only just a black dress, it was a dress with braiding twist on it. Like the twist, the crochet twist you can get at the B-Salon store. Yes, she had those on her dress. And when I tell you guys, it was everything. Oh, I just want to throw my money at her. It was so good. It just was done so well in proper taste. Like she just gets it. She is my front runner for the entire competition. Now, spoiler alert, if you guys don't want to know who left a uh, drag race or got eliminated, you can just move on. But unfortunately, Tamisha Imad was eliminated and she just gave the motherly aspect to the show that it needed. She has so much class and grace about herself. And just to see her push through with her health battles and journey really was a sign to not only me, but the rest of people watching that you could do anything you set your mind to. Do not let your status or whatever is happening put you or get you in the way of your dreams and goals. And she was able to accomplish her dreams at 50. So do not let age stop you. Do not let your health condition stop you. Do what you want to do. Put your mind to it and let motivation and discipline get you to your goal. So it was just unfortunate to see her go. But like I said, you guys, my favorite is Simone, period. She's going to win the season. Like if she doesn't win the season, I'm going to be gagged, like completely gagged. And also last thing is that I've seen that college decisions are going out right now, which is amazing. I'm so happy to see, was it class of 25? Y'all, I feel like I'm getting so old. The class of 25, uh, I'm just so happy to see everyone. So happy to see all the kiddos graduating school and picking schools to go to. I know Howard had an immense amount of applicants and it's just been crazy to see how many people have applied to Howard, you know, due to Kamala and the HBCU movement during Black Lives Matter movement. And I cannot wait for the kiddos to come in the fall. I cannot wait to see all these new fresh faces on campus and hopefully we can be on campus safely so they can get the full entire college experience. But it's been so warming to see all these people uh, get their college certificates because I remember when that was me and I was like, I hope I get into this school. I hope I get into that school. And it happened for me. So I'm excited. If you know any child that is interested in STEM that have just gotten into Howard University, please DM me at Envivo Podcast so I could talk to them. Maybe they could come on the show and talk about their experience being COVID and having their senior year high school in COVID and applying for schools because I'm pretty sure a lot of kids weren't able to actually visit schools. So that would be a nice take. The last thing I want to talk about is Drake's Liverpool album being postponed. I was kind of excited to actually listen to Drake. People that know me know that I actually used to hate Drake <laughs> because I used to love Party Next Door and I thought Drake was holding him back, but then I realized Party Next Door was holding himself back. Anyway, that's another take. But anyway, I was excited to listen to Certified Liverboy and it is postponed until further notice so hopefully it could come out before the summertime so i can have an album to listen to for the summer okay 
and I'm excited. So that's all I had for pop culture news. The song that's going to play is going to be Snoop Dogg featuring Pharrell, Let's Get Blown. It's one of my favorite songs. Pharrell is my favorite producer, and I want you guys to listen to it. If you haven't heard it already, it will be next on your playlist. I'm telling you, I'm going to let that go ahead and play, and we'll go back to the discussion. Yes, sir. You know you want some more, girl. you guys enjoyed the break that song is one of my favorites it has a groove to it it has a vibe i like to listen to that song when i'm driving on the highway and i'm just cruising it feels like i'm skating almost (laughs) anyway let's get into the discussion the discussion is all about summer programs now summer programs are essential and vital when it comes to not only understanding if you want to do research or not but what is your interest and maybe what school you want to attend for graduate school So I have attended two programs. I talk about it all the time. My first one was at University of Minnesota and my second one was at Wild Cornell virtually slash remotely. And I've had great experiences at both that have all helped me um, learn more about research, develop a deeper interest into my future field of pharmacology and also provide me different schools that I could apply to for graduate school. Now, The discussion is all about the different types of um, summer programs. Usually there's not much of a difference, but I know it can get confusing when you are first applying to one. So number one, you want to make sure that the summer program that you're applying to is one that you potentially see yourself going to. Do not just apply to a whole bunch because you just want to the fun of it. Like, no, make sure every school you apply to, you have a purpose on why you want to attend that school for the program. And is it actual interest to you? Now, there are main different types of program names. Don't get too involved in the name. They all kind of do the same thing. But there's REUs, there's SERPs, there's SERPs, and there's SHORES. There's a whole bunch of them. But a REU is a research experience for undergraduate. That's what it stands for. And these are usually NSF-funded programs for the summer. Now, you could have a SERP, which is a Summer Undergraduate Research Fellowship, which could be a type of REU or its own separate entity, depending on the school. And then SHORES and SERPs are the same thing, usually the same connotation. So Summer Undergraduate Research Program or Experience. Now, these are all essentially the same thing, but they can be funded through different people like the NIH and SF or other private foundations. Uh, don't get too caught up on the name. If anything, if you want to find a program and you want to find it at a certain university, you could use those abbreviations for your advantage. So say if I wanted to search up Harvard University, I could put Harvard University REU and nine times out of 10, it will pop up the actual program, the application and things like that. So that's an easy way to find some. Another way is to just look up on NSF, the different programs they fund for the summer um, and search universities that's another way to find them and there's also a really nice site it's called pathwaysofscience.org and from there it has it listed of all different types of internships that you can do the deadlines the fields of interest uh the the state it's in all that so it's really nice to see all the things you have out there and then from there you should be doing further research so 
whatever field you want to go into during that summer program, you should look at the, the faculty in those fields because they could possibly be your mentor, making sure that your application is nice, your personal statement is well, your recommendation letters are well. And also making sure that the, the internship can provide you more than just a research opportunity. It could provide you with networking events, bonding events. Uh, I know my University of Minnesota internship provided me with a sample GRE test, uh, field trips, all these other things that also help you build yourself as a researcher. So make sure you do your real, a really, really good job researching um, these programs and which one you possibly want to attend. And I've also talked about this before, but know that when you leave your internship, that is not the end. That is just the beginning, developing your connections with these people because they will help you tremendously when it is time for you to graduate and you're trying to figure out what's next. That actually just recently happened to me because I was in a, not a pickle, but I was just in a standstill because everything going on with coronavirus, I was struggling to figure out where I want to go this summer. And my University of Minnesota a mentor helped me out immensely when it came to that. And I will forever be grateful for her. So that's all I have to share about that discussion. And I want to guys the save this to the end to share to you all what I'm doing this summer. So I've actually been offered an internship at Merck, the pharmaceutical, you guys. I know as a clinical trial quality operations intern, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be my first time in industry. I'm so excited to be awarded this gracious opportunity and to go into pharma and just to see the rope, see how everything is. I'm just excited. So I want to share that with you all because you are my family too. Okay. And that is all I have. So thank you all for listening to the end. I hope you have learned something. And yeah, thank you for listening to InVivo. Also, make sure to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a lot and it showcases my podcast and new audiences. So make sure you guys are sharing the podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InVivo Podcast and just stay tuned for the next episode. Till then, peace out, y'all.